fueled by the outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? Back together again. This is the first one that we've done together in what, like two weeks? Is that right? Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Yeah, because there was, uh, I did the one with Vinny last week, and then you did the one with, um, uh, was it Corey Goder? Goddard. Goddard. Damn it. Goddard. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it's it's been a little while. Yeah, so uh, we're actually recording this one a little bit later than what we normally do, just because uh, we've been both busy, 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 um, busy weekend coming up uh, for me, and you just got back from a very busy weekend. Um, we're in. Yeah, we're going to talk about that here in a second. We're in the uh, one of my favorite weekends of the year, actually, which is uh, opening. Uh, rounds of uh, the NCAA tournament, and I, yeah. I love I love it just because like well normally if if uh, someone said Rick can you do a podcast on Thursday uh, of opening week uh, I'd say no I'm gonna be sitting somewhere with my ass parked in front of the TV and not moving right. and uh, since everything's so goofy this year they've got all the playing games uh, tonight and they're gonna be running everything else like i guess a little a day later or something because of covid protocols so we'll wow. see how uh, a limited fan thing goes on and how the entire tournament goes on in the hoosier state but that that that's most of my plans this weekend and and cheering on my uh my alma mater uh plays west virginia so i can hopefully make fun of aaron satterfield uh Oh, Mountaineers, awesome. if 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 the Morehead State Eagles decide that they want to step up from a 14 seed. Okay, I was getting ready to ask you what seed they've got. Okay, yeah, it's That's a 14 cool. and a three, and then uh, my Buckeyes are uh, a two seed this year. So nice, yeah. So I'm I'm excited. I it's this is a this is a great time of year. It's starting to get warm. Um, it's nicer out. That nasty winter droll that I think everybody goes through is uh, starting to get out of here on most parts of the country or mostly where people listen to this podcast, um, which means more outdoor activities, not that it really stops for any of us. But uh, last week I had said the reason you weren't uh, with me for the podcast was you were, I mean, you were in like the North Carolina or somewhere shooting with yeah. nationals, right? Yeah, I was in uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina. I left uh, Friday morning, which, you know, it's kind of funny you talked about us being busy today. I feel like I haven't left this computer chair all day. <laughs> and I, I know I have, but it's almost beginning to be like I want to stand up to eat dinner and breakfast because I've been editing all this stuff. So oh, um, literally, as you sent the message to me to join the um zoom meeting here i was finishing up editing and as soon as i get off here i am going to uh, finalize that project which is winter nationals the first Mm -hmm. episode of judging the unknown and um i'm going to export it and then upload it to youtube so kind of excited to have that project done because it was different and uh learned a lot about um, filming on the fly during mm-hmm. a national tournament. So uh, with that said, though, I went to Winter Nationals Friday morning, got up super early, left out of here, and um, it's a six-hour drive, and it's in uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina. So got down there just afternoon and met Luke and our buddy Justin Burner mm-hmm. and um, Cam and uh, Scott and some other people and, uh, got everything situated at the house and went and practiced pretty much the majority of the day on Friday. We were going to try to get 10 targets in, but Mm -hmm. it just didn't work out. Um, it was too dark. So we get out there Saturday and man, it's just, this is such a huge transition such a huge jump for even Luke but mm-hmm. a, a really big jump for me and 
let's just say I'm going to have to learn how to face judge targets instead of looking <laughs> at the ground to try to figure the yardage up. Cause dude, when I say they take away the yardage, like mm-hmm. they're sticking targets on a hillside and you've got like a little bluff edge cliff edge mm-hmm. coming up to the target. So you can't see anything that's in between the edge of that hill right. and the target. There could be 20 yards there and you can't even see it. Um, they did a lot of that with like roadways and stuff. They'd stick a target on the other side of a roadway about five yards and <clears throat> you don't see the roadway at all. And then you walk up and you're like, Oh my God. And you know, there's people can't see it, but there's a rise that's, you know, 18 inches tall or whatever. So it comes up and covers the legs of the animal. And uh, those are just things you have to recognize. And I didn't at first I learned pretty quick, but it was just too late. And I went 21 down on day one and uh, came out hot day two. Um, my first seven targets were six tens and then an 11 on probably nice. Literally when I say the toughest targets I had shot in my life, I mean that. Um, and they were not, you know, they weren't like gimmies or anything. In fact, the only one that Cam literally said was a gimme, none of us took an 11 on. And I think, I want to say that was like a 28 yard target. Like that was mm-hmm. our, our short target. And that was basically straight up a hill, like a really oh, geez. steep 2,500 foot tall West Virginia mountain, or excuse me, North Carolina mountain. And, um, on that exact target, I remember specifically normally when you draw back, especially if you're leaning back or down to, um, compensate for a steep angle, you find yourself rocking and your pin floats up and down. Mm -hmm. Well, the hill was so extreme, uh, you were fighting your left and right and you watched your pin actually float left and right. And it was to the point that it was a drive-by shooting. Like you just tried to pull through <laughs> your shot at the right time uh-huh. to get it to break at the right time to hit it. And uh, most of us hit uh, a little low and a little to the right. It was it was just crazy. And I even told myself, I was like, you should probably just rip one as it's way left. And that way you get it in there. And I just, I wanted to try to execute a shot properly as Luke would say. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, after that, I got yarded pretty bad on some, some targets and lost my stamina, lost my mental focus and felt the fatigue and got shaky and all that. So, um, climbed a lot of mountains and everything on that second day. And, uh, it is what it is. We didn't have any podiums. Nobody was in danger of placing anywhere. And, uh, while that sucks, it was a great learning experience. So now I have a $1,350 bow on the way. Thanks, um, Uncle Joe. Yeah, thank you, Uncle <laughs> Joe. Um, I actually, I was talking to a buddy today. I asked him if I should name Biden as one of my sponsors. So um, it was, it's just one of those things. I'm a little nervous. I think I probably won't lose speed on that bow, but, Mm -hmm. um, man, if I can get some better stability and everything, my God, supposed to be able to hold better and everything. So, uh, yeah. So that was basically winter nationals, man. It was kind of a long ride home, but, uh, I learned a lot about archery and learned a lot about filming archery. And then as I've edited everything this week, um, I've learned a lot about, filming archery through that Mm -hmm. and uh i think we've got if i can get people to play along we're gonna have some pretty cool episodes coming up this one will be cool yeah but i have ideas (laughs) so i'm pretty excited about that um so yeah winter nationals is in the books we got spring nationals coming up uh next month about yeah three three four weeks something like that it's normally mid-April. Um, it'll be right before the baby's born, basically. 
Right before so. the baby's born, weekend before opening weekend of turkey season in yep. Kentucky. Yep. Gets uh they just jam pack everything in there, don't they? <laughs> Dude, that's why people try to get me to compete for years and I'm like, No, you're not messing with my turkey season. <laughs> and even now, like I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be tagged out mm-hmm. uh two of the three years and the the one year I wasn't tagged out, but I had killed a two-year-old and then Cora killed that big bird. And I felt like, you know, my, my life was complete at that point and I could go down there and shoot. So now um, is she, is she going to be hunting birds in Kentucky this year? No, because that'll be, uh, that will be the, Oh, that is what that is spring nationals. Yeah. That's spring nationals. And I just don't, we did it then because I was kind of like helping her aim and everything, mm-hmm. but now I want her to do it all on her own. Right. And I want to have her shoot and be very, I want to be very sure that she's safe with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my biggest focus is to make sure that I can trust that she's not going to screw up and do anything stupid with the gun and that we're going to make a good shot on a bird and yeah. I won't have to run it down like I do all of mine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, speaking of turkey hunting, yes. we actually have some uh, some really cool stuff coming up. We were talking. Yes, we uh, do. Yes, we do. We've got our boy Josh House from Pickles and Bones wants to learn how to hunt. And so we are going to do a podcast. Uh, we're hoping next weekend and just mentally prepare him and talk about all the things together that he can expect and uh, things he'll need to purchase and practice and prepare for and everything. And then uh, with any luck, we're going to get him out there and pattern his gun and mm-hmm. get him a bird this year. And then uh, I'm hoping that that happens so that we get to do the really cool part, which is the cooking. That, yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm, I'm so excited for this and I need to make sure that I am off work or if we're doing the hunt on a weekend that I can be there for it. Cause I really, and I, I mean, I just want to be able to either call or film or something because it's, it's one of those uh, situations where you have a guy who does such a big job for the community of Milford and not to mention he is very well respected in the chef community in the Cincinnati area, you have uh, guys at restaurants who, when you bring up his name, they're, they're just like, Oh man, he's, he's, he's the greatest. And to be able to get him his first Turkey and to have him like prepare it or, you know, us to all kind of sit down and share a meal of like all of our different favorite kinds of ways to prepare a turkey i think would be you know super cool um it 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 would be awesome it would be awesome so i'm pumped i'm i'm so so stinking ready for uh turkey season i know me and josh luck are going sunday actually so so when this is uh when this gets released on sunday we'll have been out in the woods he's gonna we're gonna deer scout because he's moving uh south of the river and uh he wants places to deer scout so or to deer hunt in the fall but i'm going because i want to hear uh gobbles and we're gonna be able to scout a new place a new place where i've not been there at this point in the morning before and i i gotta think there's birds there like there's there's deer there i just i have to believe there's birds there with as many farms are sitting around this area and it's it's a nice piece of public i'm not going to say where it's at on here um <laughs> it's one of it's one of my secret ones that uh that hasn't been infiltrated too terribly bad yet so nice. I, i'm i'm super excited about it but with all that when we bring all these things up what comes with this is we've mentioned it like four or five times and that is cooking and eating. And we, we've talked about this plenty of times on this podcast that we are actively eating what we kill. We prepare yep. what we kill. We preserve it. You know, we do a whole bunch of different stuff. And Chris and I were talking and we were trying to like, hey, what, what do we need to talk about? Because we, we have 
beat the turkey horse already and yeah um we're gonna beat it more over the course of the next (laughs) the next few months um in into other seasons but the reality of it is is that we don't talk a whole heck of a lot about recipes or stuff that we do with our game on here we've we've discussed like how to uh, cut it down um, the different ways, like the gutless method or just deboning it period and breaking it down into different cuts of meat. But we never really talk about what we're, what we're doing with that. Now the hope is, is that we're going to present you guys with some uh, tutorials and videos here at some point uh, over how to do certain meals with different cuts of meat, because it's really, really quite, easy to do it's not super tough um a lot of people get really worried when they're intimidated i guess is almost i should say Absolutely. if if you're cooking game for a couple different reasons people who are eating it they they always have that kind of thought is like uh, this was wild running around in the field gamey. it's gonna be gamey um which we'll get into that word here in a little bit because i feel like when people say gamey um they're just not used to flavor and that and i also believe wholeheartedly that it's a lack of education on how to prepare it exactly and overcooked Cookie. deer meat or overcooked turkey that's dry yeah well of course it's going to taste like trash yep it's going to taste like trash so or- what a 30 dollar filet that you cook <laughs> well done exactly or if you um don't take care of it right when you're when you're butchering it like that that can agree you know, sour meat real bad too so you know, we hope to have some of this information out there for people, but, you know, it can be intimidating. Uh, you know, I always think back to, I, I watch MasterChef every once in a while, and two seasons ago, the final three people were at this English-like countryside castle, and their meal that they had to prepare, Gordon Ramsay gave them venison, and they all struggled. Every one of them. I'm sitting there looking at him like wow. this is. I'm sitting there looking. I'm like this is the easiest thing in the world to cook in my head. Like this is exactly what I would do. The winning dish was exactly what I would have done. I mean, it was they were bone in. It was a bone in loin, and you know you don't need a ton of time on that. You salt, pepper, oil, sear it on all sides, and you get that nice medium rare. Slice it thin, and then you put it over whatever vegetables you want to do, and it comes out awesome. But We'll get more on that here in a little bit. So I think something that we should probably start out with are simple recipes that you and I tend to utilize more often than not. And one, I'm not asking for it because I know you'll never release it, Mm. but (laughs) um, jerky. Jerky is the first thing that your friends ask for when you have a deer. It's always the last thing that you typically have after you've went through all your cuts of meat. And it's always something that's fun to make. So I want to kind of get your insight on jerky and then I'll get my insight on jerky because I, um, you, you do it a little bit differently than I think that I do, but I think you actually did the way that I do it. Um, just recently too yeah so um when i was in my junior year of high school my grandpa killed a deer and he asked me if i wanted to learn how to make jerky and of course i said yes right away his jerky was second to none and Mm -hmm. i understand that everybody has a family member or whatever and They probably have their jerky recipe. When I say that this is the best jerky I've ever had, I haven't had any that's touched it. I've tried, um, you know, the production, the mass produced stuff and the closest that I could get to it. Mm -hmm. That was that I thought was worth maybe buying was that I think it's called like Mingua or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mingua. Yeah. It's not bad, but I just think this recipe just, it can't be touched. And and for multiple reasons, one is the, um, the spices and herbs and Mm -hmm. all all the different liquids that you put in there. 
um, you know, the marinade, I guess I would call mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And then the other reason that I will share with everybody, I'm not going to tell everybody what I put in and on, you know, the jerky and the marinade and all that, but there's two things. There's two reasons why this jerky is better than everybody else's jerky. And I, I would, I would bet the farm that this could win some sort of an award or, you know, whatever, make a bunch of money. The reason I say that is because every single piece of jerky gets paid the love and attention that it deserves. I am not putting X amount of this, that, and the other in a bowl and mixing jerky up. I'm laying sliced, perfectly even sliced pieces of meat out on a cookie sheet and pouring the marinade well, first I apply the spices mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then the marinade and then they go in the bowl. So, you know, I pat it down and everything into the meat. And the other reason is because I cut every single piece of meat against the grain. So that yeah. way the meat is not only porous so that it accepts that flavor. It soaks it up really well, but it also makes the jerky tender. Now, mm-hmm. I believe there are two kinds of people. There are the kind of people that like jerky to be like its name and sort of be really tough. Yep. And and then there are the people with good taste. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why anybody would ever want anything to be tough. I, I don't want jerky stuck in between my teeth. I don't want to rip a tooth out. I don't want to have to work at it. I already spent a lot of hard work, money, time, effort, all that mm-hmm. at making it and getting it to here. Now I just want to put it in my mouth and enjoy it. So um, that being said, uh, that is why that jerky turns out so well. The other thing I will say is that people way undercook or way overcook jerky. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. plays a role. And I think you can you can overcook it and it'll still be all right. But it's better. You, you basically got to get it kind of perfect if you will so um cooking it and being able to be there and watch it is huge now if you have you know like my my recipe that i follow is literally by feel and sight and everything so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my intention is now that i have this gorgeous dehydrator i intend to get x pounds of meat we'll probably say five is a good number yeah yeah and figure out, okay, if I slice it this thick and treat it for this long, you know, marinate mm-hmm. it for this long, how long roughly should I cook that so I can set a timer? Cause this thing, it'll just turn off, which is amazing. Oh, so man, you can nice. turn it on while you're asleep and then wake up to fresh jerky and the house smelling like jerky, which is amazing. That's awesome. So um, that is my take on jerky. And I will shut up about that now before I say too much. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've tried to do the cuts and everything like that in the past. Um, to be very honest, I don't make a ton of jerky when I do. It's usually like, I've got a couple pounds of, and I, I make ground, I use ground. Um, I'll have a couple pounds. I usually make it for fishing trips because it's something simple that I can throw in a boat in the boat and you can munch on all day and, you don't got to worry about it, but, um, you got to with ground. I always feel like you got to put in a lot of pounds of ground. If you are going to make a good batch of jerky. So like, you're going to, you're going to have to put in like six or seven pounds of ground. If you want to have like a sustainable amount for like a, a decent amount of time, because jerky is one of those things, especially the ground kind. Um, it can get overly dry very quick and it can turn into like a, you remember when you were younger and you had those, uh, they made those like jerky, like cans that looked like a chew. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They so still have that. They still it's have actually that. not terrible. No, it's, it's not sawdust, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, um, the, the reality of what that is, is that people can cook jerky like down like that and it'll get into that, that, that type of a granular, uh, like taste and it, it won't, it won't be very good. Like it, it's just not. So right. the key, the key that I've found is, you know, if, if I'll, I'll do it in small batches. So 
I'll do two pounds, but I'll do the marinade uh, for two pounds and I'll let it soak in a, in a tub or a, a bowl, like a, a non corrosive bowl. So like a, uh, um, you, you wouldn't put it in metal or something like that. You let it soak overnight and let it suck up all the juices and everything along those lines. So typically like I'll use like a blend of like teriyaki, soy, liquid smoke, salt, pepper, red pepper, and, um, Oh, what else? Garlic powder and onion powder. And I'll kind of mix it all in there together. And, you know, you, you want, you want it to be liquidy enough for the meat to be, um, have some moisture kind of sitting on top. It's all going to get sucked up in there. And, you know, I use a jerky shooter and I'll shoot it like onto the grates on my dehydrator. And, you know, I've got, I've got like one of those Walmart ones that you get where you, they're like the circle kind and you, know, you turn it on and you're not sure how hot it's running or anything like that. Yep. And, it, and it, it can be a pain in the butt, but it's what I have for right now until I <clears throat> invest the money in a nicer one, but it, it's, it's good to have. So, you know, I, I prefer um, ground jerky uh, just, just for that reason is that I can, I feel like it, it's easier to make in a, in a quicker amount of time uh, with the stuff that I have. Now, if I had the, the super dehydrator like you have, it might be better. But, uh, you know, you're absolutely right on cutting against the grain. There's, um, oh gosh, I forget the name of the jerky company, but they, they're based out of New Mexico. And one of the things that they do with their beef jerky is they take, it's either brisket or just whole roast and they slice it against the grain extremely thin but you end up with these massive pieces like like the size of my forearm and you know they they slather them in uh hatch chili or green chili and then they dehydrate it and then you have you know green chili uh jerky so don't be afraid to like experiment with this kind of stuff either people out there, you know, you, you, everyone's made a bad batch. Like it's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to have a mistake in the kitchen. You're going to have a bad batch and it's going to taste like garbage. And even uh, it's kind of like pizza though. Like it's, it's still jerky. Um, Like it it might not be the best jerky, but it's still jerky. Uh, And I I feel like that's one of those go-to things that you can also pack for uh, a backpacking trip too, there it's super simple to throw in your bag, or if oh, you're going dude. on a hiking trip too, it's it's awesome to have. Lightweight, doesn't spoil easy. It's it's good. Um, I, I will say, I want to try to make ground jerky. I did it the other day, and I wasn't super satisfied with how it turned out, but I think I got it a little too thin. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm going to try another batch and get it a little thicker. That way there's a little something to it. I just, I had it, you know, darn near paper thin and I I just haven't done it yet. So, mm-hmm. um, and I don't have a jerky gun uh, and I'm, I literally just used my recipe and mm-hmm. tried, which my recipe is literally my eyes and some ingredients. So yeah. I don't have measurements or anything like that. Well, that's, that's kind of the fun part about doing it though. It was like when someone asked me for a recipe, they're like, how much of this? I'm like, I don't know. I eyeball it. Like when we, so this kind of leads me over to the sausage recipe um, that I typically, I have like two deer sausage recipes, breakfast sausages. And um, we used to hunt with a guy named Don Williams, who was the game warden in Brown County years ago um and he would uh when we were making uh when we were processing a deer through he would have this uh huge tub of lard and a cast iron skillet and he would just uh he's like you boys want deer sausage we're like sure and he would take a patty of deer with a uh, pork mixed in with it and was like well what do i need to add to it he goes salt until it's white pepper it till it's black sage it till it's green and he goes and roll it all in together and he goes and then make a patty out of it <laughs> yeah um man it was good uh it, it it was it was really really good and i hadn't made it in probably years 
And, you know, with jerky, the next thing I was going to roll it into is deer sausage, because if, if you're making food for people, sausage is typically one of the most palatable things you can get somebody to eat because it still has some like pork content into it. Um, do you make sausage at all? Like, do you like make no, like I, Italian sausage or anything like that? I want bulk? to. I'm, I'm going to do it next year. If all goes well, I should be loaded with meat. But nice. uh, I definitely want to start that a little bit. Breakfast sausage and Italian sausage, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it'd be pretty awesome. It's fun to do. Like sausage making is one of those things that I think as a hunter, you should really understand because it takes, you know, just your plain deer meat to another level. And it it's, it doesn't take a whole lot. So one of the simplest ways that I, I make deer sausage is I'll go to Kroger or a butcher or somewhere and I'll get a pound of ground pork and I do two to one deer meat to pork. So if I get a pound of ground pork, I'm going to, combine that with two pounds of deer meat and I'll add like, again, I'll eyeball some sage, but if you want the easy way out and I would suggest this for people starting out, go to Cabela's, go to Bass Pro. Um, They have sausage seasoning kits or um, if you want to take it up just a, a, a smidgen, there's this company out of Wisconsin called Penzi Spices and they, they've got like little kiosks everywhere. They have a specific venison sausage uh, spice um, that you can add. And it, it, it's good. Like it is, it is just flat out good. But, you know, you mix that all together and you can, you know, you can hand mix it. You can put it through a grinder, however you prefer to do it. And if you've already got the ground meat, it makes it so much easier because you just thaw it out, throw it in with the pork mash everything together and then form patties and then you've got your sausage and I'll, I'll I'll go up against anybody and say that if I fed you that sausage you would not be able to tell it between a you know not that I'm a huge fan of Bob Evans but a Bob Evans pork sausage and a you know a deer sausage what's your favorite breakfast sausage favorite breakfast sausage oh man um so I'm trying to think, see, so, so I've got two, um, one is from, one is from college and it's just because it's, it's where I was from, uh, down there is, uh, there's this place called Clifty farms. I think that's the name of it. Uh, and I only started eating it because of the commercials were so gooberish. Like, you know, like you get those commercials, like when you get into like, like weird parts of the States or country and you're like, man, why is why is this part of the, uh, part of the things that I'm seeing on TV. Right. But it was really good sausage. Um, so, I mean, I like that, but I also uh, really, really, really like, um, gosh, what is it? It's a, starts with an M. No. Or is it a W? Wagner's? <laughs> Wagner's. It, it's, it's a, uh, it's a white, it's just a white casing with either uh, it's red for hot, uh, orange for, uh, medium and yellow for mild. Uh, okay. I, I like it a lot and it, it's, you know, I, 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 I just tried it one day and I'm, it's what I prefer. I'm a, I'm a Tennessee pride guy. Oh, okay. I, I love Tennessee pride <laughs> sausage, dude. It's awesome. Um, I haven't had Tennessee pride in forever. You know, what's really weird too. I think we've talked about this multiple times, but I'll never let it go. Uh, when you leave this area, it is tough to find good breakfast sausage. It is. I mean, and people down south, everybody boasts about the south and their cooking. And I'm going to be honest with you. The majority of the restaurants I've been to down there, aside from steaks or which, you know, a steak obviously is going to be good generally uh, mm. and seafood on the shore. Um, there's not a lot of good, like, I don't get the same kind of biscuits and gravy that my grandma makes. She's from, uh, Northern Tennessee, Southern mm-hmm. Kentucky, Cumberland gap area, Cumberland gap area and, yeah. and all of those people, you go to anybody's house 
and you get the same freaking biscuits and gravy. I mean, <laughs> the biscuit will vary a little bit, yes, but it's good and it's made with lard. Yep. And then your gravy is going to be a dark brown, creamy, country gravy. Mm-hmm. And and when you go to these restaurants, I mean, it is I would water down. I would not give that to my dog. So <laughs> it's just disappointing. And then when you get the sausage, you're like. What do you what are you doing? Well, to see, your pigs? see, but that that's 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 the misstep when you go. And this might only be a Kentucky thing. And someone out there, please correct me um, if I am wrong about this. When you start going south, you got to get country ham, man. Like, ah, OK, like you got you got to get the country ham because country ham is all they are is just huge salt cured hams and they're so good they throw them in the pan and they just with a little bit of water they leach out oh my gosh it's so good um it's good on sandwiches you actually you can buy that up here uh up here um at least in northern kentucky you can and it's so good and it's just like the saltiest tastiest thing that you could possibly have but um i i'll I'll agree with you um you know there's certain things that you go to certain areas for like I'll be very honest. Like if if I'm not making my own sausage, I typically won't buy breakfast sausage. I'll eat a lot of getta. Um, and I, I love getta. And uh, for those now, of you, hold out, on, yeah, okay, for, yeah. For those of you out there, Gleer's <laughs> is better than Queen City. And if you want to tell me differently, I will fight you over that. Um, fight me. <laughs> Gleer's, uh, Gleer's is the best. The only one, my second favorite is uh actually a guy made a block of venison getta for me this past year as a thank you and it was excellent um i don't know what he put in it i don't know what the seasoning packet was but goodness was it tasty and uh i mean it it was it was just it was ridiculous so for those of you that are listening that are like what's getta what what are these idiots talking about? <laughs> so first off, let me blow your mind and spell Geta for you. It's G-O-E-T-T-A. That's how you yes. spell Geta. Uh, we are of German descent in a very German area. Is there any place that's as or more German? Maybe like West uh, Texas has its own German dialect. That's where German chocolate cake actually comes from. What? That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then what's uh, maybe Wisconsin? Um, and actually, Possibly. you know, Michigan as well. Uh, Frankenmuth, there's a decent mm-hmm. little uh, bit of Germans up there. But anyways, uh, at one point, I don't know about now, but at mm-hmm. one point, we were the largest. We were the pork capital of the world. Yep. And uh, very German area. So Geta is a breakfast I mean, you really can't call it a meat because it's not a meat. It's got meat in it. Uh, it's like a scrapple almost if you've yeah. had scrapple. So essentially, it's oats, pinhead mm-hmm. oats. Pinhead oats. Um, you use pinhead oats and you mix in seasoning with that and everything. Salt, pepper. Mm-hmm. I want to say you put um, sage. Am I sage, right on that? A little bit of sage, I think, in it. Uh, bay leaves and then... Um, you mix uh, pork shoulder, mm-hmm. and then you can either mix ground beef or ground mm-hmm. deer or whatever, venison, or you can do like I do and mix in breakfast sausage, which makes Ooh, that it just, sounds good. It, it makes it very, very fatty, but very delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what it is. You grind all, you grind all that meat together. And then cook the oats for like two hours with all that seasoning in there. And then you mix in your meat and let it cook. And it just, I mean, it's like stirring a bucket of gravel. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of work. So you make a large batch. So you only do it a couple times a year, but mm-hmm. uh, you pour it into loaf pans as it's hot. Yep. And then let it cool and congeal and then stick it in the refrigerator in a loaf shape and then you slice it like you would sausage or anything mm-hmm. else into a a patty and you brown the sides and i i really i can tell a lot 
about my fellow Germans by how thick they slice their getta <laughs> and how they cook it. Uh-huh. I, I believe that somebody, I believe that all decent human beings <laughs> who eat getta <laughs> slice it about about three eighths of an inch, mm-hmm. close to a half of an inch thick. Yeah. And firmly brown the sides. Yes. Uh, I think that people that slice it paper thin and then basically brown it and it's breaking like a wafer, uh, like a wafer. Um, I think that those are the same people that order their steak. Well done. (laughs) You can't trust. I'm just kidding. Uh, And then if somebody just basically has a pile of undercooked ghetto, which it's not, you're not going to get sick or anything. I'll eat it with a freaking spoon as I'm making the batch. It's so but, weird to eat like undercooked getta. Um, yeah. It, like if it doesn't get crispy on the sides yeah. and you get that, like it's a textural thing at that point, it, it almost is. turns into like, you ever have like instant oatmeal and you just, it's like, it doesn't get cooked all the way. And you're yep. just like, Mm, like yep. you're going to eat it because that's what you got to eat, but it's not yeah. something that you, you'd, you'd uh, typically want to continue to eat. I agree. Um, I'm very particular when it comes to oats and stuff too. So, but you, y'all Rick and his brother have pretty much <laughs> diagnosed me with like seven different disorders. I'm pretty sure. But uh, I, I definitely, pay attention to textures and stuff when it comes to food. So I think uh, you kind of have to though, with some of that stuff, especially when you're serving it to other people. And Josh house told us about this, you know, uh, last year when we had him on is you can't start with crap ingredients and, and like, you can't put crap in and like expect gold out. Um, if you're going to use good stuff, you use good stuff, but also texturally, like there's certain things that people won't eat. A big one that I've found is that, um, I'll do, barbecue with uh, turkey or venison with a recipe that I have and I can cook onions down in that and people will eat it and they won't know it and they'll just notice the flavor but the minute you try to put an onion that is not all the way cooked down in something that they're eating they're just like can't do it can't do it and it's just like but it's the same thing it's literally the same thing and all I always hear is it's the texture of it it's the texture of it and you know I, I can respect that there's certain things yep. where like texturally, I just, I can't do it. It's weird. Um, it's very few things, but um, typically, you know, th- that, that tends to be the off putting thing for a lot of people that and like taste. So, you know, with, with getting back to getta and everything like that uh, in terms of breakfast stuff that people can make, get is a good one. There's lots of recipes online that you can follow, but I'd encourage everyone to find one and augment it to be what you want it to be. And breakfast sausage too. breakfast sausage, you know, we're on breakfast right now, but like breakfast is one of those easy things where you can make a good thing for yourself. You can freeze it. Um, I'll, I'll make a huge batch of, of, of a sausage and I'll freeze the patties and then I'll just go pull bags out of my freezer uh, for a week when I when I want to eat, and it, it works out great. But you know, you can do this with just about um, any cervid. So that's elk, uh, whitetail, mule deer, antelope. Um, you could make pork breakfast sausage out of wild boar. Um, just make sure if you're doing that, you get the temp to one sixty five. You can use bear. Bear sausage is uh, supposedly really good. Never yeah. had it. I hope Man, to I've at heard some a lot point. of good things about yeah. black bear. Yep. So, you know, there's, there's another thing like um, I, I didn't, I'd never had it until uh, you ever been to taste of Belgium in, in Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. So like, I know you're not a fan. It doesn't sound like you're a fan. Trash. <laughs> did you, well, what did you have? The chicken and waffle? I had their stale waffle. With their crappy, thin, only breading chicken (laughs) and their waitress who had zero customer service. So I got what was called the machine gun, which is a merguez sausage with pickled red onion. Um, And 
it was the first time I'd ever had merguez and it is awesome. Um, it's typically a lamb sausage, Ooh. but it's from Northern Africa and it's super simple to make. Uh, Wait, it's you had that at the taste of Belgium. Yep. Huh? Yep. It's uh, it's not on underneath the breakfast stuff. It's like underneath the brunch or or whatever side that it's on. But it's so freaking good. An African um, meat, yeah, from a German, huh. from from or from not a, a piece. from an EU country, yeah, EU. <laughs> but German. like it, basically it, German, basically German. Um, <laughs> they're I mean they butt up against each other, right? Belgium and yeah. Germany. Pretty sure at some point they were German. <laughs> <laughs> they're all Germanic. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, merguez is another one of those sausages uh, that's super simple to make. There's, uh, I think, actually, there's a there's meat eater episodes on it. There's uh, Hank Shaw does oh, cool. does it online um, on Honest uh, Hunter Hunter Angler Gardener Cook. He has he has good recipes on there for it. But sausage making is a super simple thing that uh, doesn't have to be intimidating. And a lot of people feel like you have to stuff them into casings. Make bulk sausage. Um, bulk sausage is good for meatballs. It's good for Ooh, patties. Yeah. yeah. Um, one Another fun one to do uh, without casing, and people are going to be aghast when I say this. Um, make summer sausage. Put it in a loaf pan without the casing around it. And you can make, you get bigger pieces of summer sausage. It's not going to be able to be portable as much, but it'll still hold. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's that, that's one of those things where you can have a really, like if you have like extra pounds of burger or whatever game in your freezer and you don't know what to do with it. Like sausage is always a good option and people are always going to eat it because it's, it's like, um, it's like the chicken fingers of the game world. Right. Um, you, you can, you can serve it to somebody and they're not going to like turn their nose up at it because they're going to think it's a regular sausage or something like that. Sure. And I mean, like you were saying sausage for spaghetti or like, uh, oh, man. you know, meatballs or, or even to top a pizza with or yep. something. Yeah. That'll be phenomenal. Oh man. Um, it's so good. Made a lasagna a, with mine the other a night. Cheese dip or something. I mean, that'd be, you know, like the hanky panky oh, or whatever. That sounds that'd good. Be, that'd be amazing. Um, and, and for everybody's information here, sorry to keep going back to this, the ghetto, <laughs> if you were ghetto people, um, yeah. If you go buy a bag of pinhead oats, I got a bag in my uh, pantry right now. There is a recipe. It's the recipe I follow. Mm -hmm. It's on the back of the bag. Sweet. Um, so it makes it super simple. That's how I started out. I I called my grandma and I'm like, where's your recipe? And she's like, oh, it's on the back of the bag. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> It's like the episode of uh, Friends with the Nestle Tollhouse no. Cookies. Oh, that similar. Saved by the Bell. Oh they, yeah, yeah. Where they yeah. make the spaghetti sauce, yep. and then Screech is like, "Yeah, some lady named Betty Crocker." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. What else? Uh, what else is wild game related? So, um, okay, fish. Yeah. Is it bad that we're like? having a podcast and food or baiting at the same time. I can say food <laughs> or baiting. Can I? Yeah. Um, so fish, uh, so many ways to do it. I am so excited to own a smoker this year. Mm -hmm. I'm going to smoke some walleye and salmon, mainly salmon because I like fried walleye and I want to try it baked as well. But um, I do want to give two sort of, they're not secrets, but just mm -hmm. how I do it. I've gotten a fair amount of compliments on it, so I'll share this. One, take your fish fillets, your walleye, your bluegill, your your smallmouth. That's for you, Will, even though you're not listening. Um, <laughs> take your white fish fillets after you thoroughly rinse them off and check them for bones. Mm -hmm. Very important. You can't tell us about the crappy taste if you're not doing your part. So wash it off, run it under cold water and gently rub it, agitate it, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you'll feel it. It'll start out feeling kind of slimy. And then all of a sudden you'll feel your thumbs and fingers start to grip it a little bit. It's yep. done. 
set it off to the side, get the other stuff washed. So, and check it for bones. So take that egg, wash it. For those of you that don't know what an egg wash is, scramble some, some eggs and dip them in the egg. Um, then take a food processor and get some Cheez-Its or goldfish crackers and grind those up and mm-hmm. dip them in there. And it will be a delicious breading. The other thing you can use is pretzels. It is not something to sleep on. Not tried that um, one yet. Yeah. Oh, dude. Very good. It was just very difficult. I used to do these fish fries here and I do them at work. And when you're cooking for 50 or 60 people, mm-hmm. I mean, you're literally making fish as fast as you can make it before yeah. they eat it. So uh, that did not prove to be easy. I also didn't own a food processor, so I had to mash that stuff up mm. myself. And not only was it not fine enough, but I just, you know, I wasted a lot of it because it'd get wet with the egg yep. and not stick. And then it was a whole thing. So uh, that's why it's important to run it through a food processor, turn it into basically a powder almost, yep. and then dip it in there after you egg wash it. So the other thing that I like to do with any of my white fish, even, you know, the catfish or whatever, is I take a bowl of flour, however much you think. I mean, I don't have an exact recipe, but if I had to guess, I'm probably using a third of a bag of flour or something, yeah, a large, something close pretty, to that. pretty sizable mixing bowl, but I'm feeding 40, 50, 60 people. So, uh, and a lot of times I had to make more. Um, and then get you a couple of darker beers. Um, I believe I use one of my favorites to use is a Mount Carmel nut brown mm-hmm. and just gently dump the beer, tilt the bowl and dump the beer down the side, just like you would the glass. So it doesn't get a big head on it and then mix it until the flour and the beer is mixed to the consistency of a good thick pancake batter. Yep. And then dip your, I wouldn't call it a thick pancake batter. I would call it a regular or even maybe lightly on the thin side, Mm -hmm. Uh, but get it to be like pancake batter, dip your fish in that, and then hold it up over the bowl and let it drip for a second. And then gently set it into the grease. And I'm telling you, the only other thing you got to do after that is salt and pepper those babies when they come out mm-hmm. and and they will be amazing also for those of you that don't fry a lot make sure you got paper towels down to soak up some of the make grease. sure you have make sure you have paper towels down um so that, that's that's a huge thing yeah i, I mean the fit the fish stuff is they're, they're, it's so versatile in, in the different things oh. you can do uh one that i would say for people to try a smoked fish dip if you got a smoker I use um, whitefish typically with it, and striper is a really good one with that. You'll see this uh, a lot of times up north. Uh, people will put it on bagels. People will eat it uh, just regularly, but smoked whitefish. Um, you can catch whitefish out of the Great Lakes too. Those are you know good for that. Uh, I smoke it, chunk it, and then it's cream cheese, sour cream, paprika, a little uh red uh pepper and you just kind of mix it all together let it sit though once once it's done let it sit and let everything kind of meld together if you eat it right away you're gonna be like oh this is all right you let it sit for three or four hours it's gonna completely taste the completely change the complexity of that dip and if you have people who typically like fish around while you're eating it um, they will they will love it and just this is kind of an aside from that if you want to help in terms of getting rid of an invasive species remember big head carp silver carp and asian carp are all a white fish um, you can smoke that that out and you can get the impurities out of that fish and it will flake just like many other white fish and tastes just as good uh, as that too now a lot of people get hesitant when you start bringing up carp and that kind of stuff because it's those a bony people fish. are crazy it is bony um, it's bony but it's it's good it's, it's good flaky white yep. deliciousness 
Yep. It's it's funny because some of the trashiest looking fish, and I always I go by a specific rule: the uglier the fish, the better it tastes. Mm-hmm. Look at like a grouper or Hogfish. a uh, yeah, uh, uh, halibut, and what's the um, what's Flounder. the one? No, um, oh come on. It's a super awesome fish. I got it in Maine. It'll come to me, but yeah. anyway, it's it's basic haddock. Haddock, yeah, yeah, yeah. Haddock. Another just ugly looking idiot, <laughs> you know, but but and you look at him, you're like, really? And then you eat it and you're like, you are beautiful on the inside. Um, <laughs> the carp, my grandpa, I I snagged one once and he was like, dude bring that home. I'll show you how to mess with that. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> I think you're crazy, Papa. Dude, it was awesome. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things where, um, a, it, it's, it's not a forage species. It's, it's a food for a lot of people around the world. And we're really the only country that doesn't typically eat a whole lot of it. You go over to Europe. That's a, it's on the menu at a lot of places, a lot oh, of places. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess we'll, we'll hit you up with one more. Yeah. Um, we'll let's talk Turkey. I mean, yeah, we got yeah, yeah. Turkey season coming up. Um, well, we'll do two. We got to yeah. do morels for those that don't. Yeah, we know. do. We do got to so, do morels. Uh, I'll do the, I'll do a Turkey one and you can hit on it and then we'll talk about morels. So, yeah. um, turkeys are extremely dry. And I pray to God that Josh kills a turkey this year because I want to see what he does with it. Um, mm-hmm. This dude's a master. But one of the things that I found out is you can cook a turkey leg, a wild turkey's leg, and make it delicious. All yep. you do is cook it in a crock or a pressure cooker or yep. let it simmer on low overnight and cook down. And then you basically shred, pull it, um, mix barbecue sauce, onion, maybe a little bit of green bell pepper for that sweet taste. And uh, I'm telling you, it's amazing. I used to throw them away. And my father-in-law asked to keep a turkey leg. And I'm like, here, take both of them. Mm. And he did that and brought it to work the next day. And I was like, you're you're a liar. This is not (laughs) the turkey leg. Sure as heck, dude. Freaking delicious turkey barbecue. It's so good. And people sleep on that. And for years, you'd see guys just breast out turkeys. Um, and then they, they'd leave the legs and thighs. And really the same with uh, geese. Guys will do the same with geese as well. Um, save the legs and thighs of your wild turkeys. Even if you don't like it all that much, it's super simple. Bust down the leg and thigh, throw it in a crock pot with a, you know, a few cups of water, let yep. it cook down, shred the meat. You're going to have ligaments and stuff in there that like the connective pieces, just pull those out, shred the meat, and then you can do the barbecue. I'll also offer this. I often will freeze that meat and then use it for other things later on. You can use it as a good thing for tacos. Um, you can add it to chili verde. Uh, which is really, really good. Uh, you can, I made Caribbean style tacos one night with it. They were hotter than heck, but they were so good. You, um, that That's a little bit more complex recipe uh, that you have to take a little bit more time with, but it makes, it's such a versatile meat that you can put in chilies and anything like that. I encourage anyone who's never done it, keep your legs and thighs this year and just cook them down in your crock pot and then use them for whatever you would use shredded beef or shredded chicken for. You will not be disappointed with it at all. Awesome. Um, So lastly, we're going to talk a little bit about morels and there's really not a whole lot to talk about. Um, So you find these morels in the woods Mm -hmm. and before anybody asks, the only thing that I've come to like a conclusion on, on how to find these is it seems that if you can get on hillsides where water might flow and carry 
these spores. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that seems to be a pretty good rule of thumb. These creek edges and all that, um, where they, you know, however they fall down the hill or rush down with the water or whatever. Um, but with that said, when you pick these, it's very simple. You keep a potato sack or something with mm-hmm. you, some sort of netted porous sack, and uh, you put them in there so you don't smash them and, and hurt them or anything. And always shake them when you find them. That way the, the spores, spores come out, out as good as you can do. Um, you're going to cut these long ways down through the middle of the slim all bleh, down through the middle of the stem, excuse me, and all the way up through the head of the, the mushroom. And then um, you'll get anything, you know, from the inside out of them. Sometimes they'll have like ants or something in mm-hmm. there. Um, so you just rinse them out and wash them out real good. Soak them in water a little bit. Uh, do you use salt water? Um, I just give them a good rinse. Like I just give them like, a rinse. That, that's a thing with those. Um, they're, they're actually pretty tough mushrooms. It's yeah. good to give them a good hard rinse um, with your spigot head, not like outside spigot head, but like, right. like uh, your, your faucet head. A little sprayer head. or something. Yeah. Good little sprayer. Okay. So clean them out and then uh, kind of just lightly pat them dry with a paper towel mm-hmm. or something. And then uh, a lot of people that I know, they simply egg wash them and bread them with a flour or whatever their favorite breading is. Yep. Uh, you can also probably do the pancake batter thing again, but um, from what I've seen, people egg wash, bread them in flour or uh, cornmeal or whatever, and then literally pan fry these things until brown in butter. Yep. And oh, they're salt, so good. Salt and pepper them, and they're like, I don't like them. I like finding them. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like people's faces when I give them to them because a, they're super grateful and B they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so I'm like, well, I just, it's not my thing. So, but they're, I, they I look love cool. Them. I love when we got into them last year, like that was, that's like getting into fish or a bunch of ducks or whatever mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that's one of those days, one of those weekends. I mean, we had just a heck of a weekend that you yeah. couldn't, the only thing that could have made it better is if nothing went wrong, but it kind of made it cooler because now we know a guy yep. and, you know, he's on the page now and we talk with him a little bit and we were able to help him out and all mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. uh, it's really cool. So anyways, uh, well, that being said, Sir Rickles Pickles, do you have any concluders, sir? I do. I have one more thing to do about morels. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, go ahead. Going back all the way to the beginning of this dehydrating your morels is a good idea because if they're dehydrated oh, yeah. you can freeze them so i dehydrated a bunch from april froze them in uh, mason jars in my freezer in an airtight uh in an airtight seal and i'm you can reconstitute them later in the year you just boil some water you throw them in there and uh you get the water boiling and you let them sit for 30 minutes without any like heat on them they will be just the same as when you find them uh in the woods they won't be the same color you can use them in sauces then you can refry them do whatever you want but that's that's what i would suggest but my concluder um is always if you have the ability to take somebody out hunting or fishing this year please do that if you are a resident of kentucky and uh, you, I believe even non-residents can do this, and you take somebody out for a mentorship or help them buy their new license, get their customer ID number and go to your page. You can enter to win a brand new fishing kayak, fishing rods, whole fishing setups, like $1,500. Um, so that's that's all I can think of in terms of conservation stuff. Um, there is one thing Kentucky just put out that there are people who are getting aquarium. There's these like aquarium aqua balls or something like that. They've got zebra mussels in them. Um, So if you go to, go to the department's website, it's on their front page. If you have that kind of stuff, uh, contact them, let them know, and they can help you dispose of it in a healthy way. Other than that, that's, that's all I got. You got any uh, concluders? 
Yeah, so we've got turkey season coming up, and I just want to keep everybody sort of coached up here. Make sure you're doing your your scouting and and your call practicing and and getting out and walking so that you're in somewhat <clears throat> decent shape. But as far as talking safety, uh, make sure that you practice identifying the difference between a hen and mm-hmm. a jake or a long beard. Obviously, it's very simple. Um, but also make sure you're identifying, you know, before you shoot that bird, that it's 100% a bearded bird. Don't get caught up in the moment and excited and see some red or white or blue and shoot into some bushes or, or whatever, or even, you know, shooting, you know, jump shooting a turkey. You never know who could have been there calling that bird and, um, you know, he's right there and you jump the, the bird up out of strut and, blow somebody's head off or something just be exactly super careful out there this spring and for those that are fishing wear a freaking life jacket or have one very close especially make if you're running your boat and you're not wearing a life jacket you're crazy don't do that um if you're standing there fishing have a life jacket easily accessible so that way if something does happen you've got a flotation device yep um so that's that's that for this week, guys. Yeah, if you are river fishing, especially, I yes. think that this is a very important thing. If you're river fishing, especially this time of year or really any time of year in a lot of these rivers, make sure you're wearing a life jacket. Um, if you don't want one of the big bulky ones, spend the extra money for one of the thin ones that you can get to either clip around your waist or around your shoulders from Bass Pro or Cabela's. They're 50 or 60 bucks. They're well worth it because if you fall in, it'll deploy on its own. And you know what? Ooh. Hopefully you never have to use it, but at the same time, it doesn't impede your ability to being able to fish or anything like that. But I think those are uh, good safety points uh, in coming up. So with that, this has been fueled by the outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert, and we will talk to you guys later. See you later. Bye. See you. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time.